Welcome to the Uncovered Podcast, where we take a deeper look into the ideas, companies, and entrepreneurs that are creating the future and uncover the stories you haven't heard. Uncovered is presented by PJC, an early-stage venture capital firm committed to supporting the next generation of entrepreneurs. We're back with season two of the Uncovered Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Rob May. Hi, everybody. And we're exploring the world of corporate development. And today's guest is John Schweitzer from Toast. How are you doing today, John? I'm great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you on the show. And uh, I'm sure, you know, the, the last few months at Toast has been pretty crazy just with all the changes in the world. And so, you know, what we'd love to do is dive into your background, learn a little bit more about your role at Toast and how Corp Dev at Toast generally works uh, and then we can go from there, but it'd be great to hear more about that and, and kind of take it from there. It's perfect. So, um, sure. So I can start with my background if it's if it's helpful. Um, yeah, I I've been in tech my my whole career. Uh, I started kind of pre uh, two thousand first dot com boom and bust. Um, most of my careers uh, I've been in the Bay Area, uh, and I'm now I'm back in Boston for the last seven years. Uh, I've been a part of a bunch of different startups, started in consulting, um, have been on both the receiving uh, uh, and the, uh, the other side of, of M&A. But, um, you know, my background is in, I have a degree in finance, which is the one thing I, I probably use the least. And uh, they dangerously taught me how to code when I got out of school. And then I just kind of fell into um, startups and, and into tech. And, and that's that's kind of where I've been. So. My that's my history for for toast. Um, you know, I had uh, I have been a road warrior for a long time. My last company, I was a CEO um, of a turnaround for a growth equity firm, and um, took some time off for the sort of the first time in my career, and wanted to stay in Boston and just try to reach out to you know, a lot of different entrepreneurs that were respected and 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 you know my my network had recommended. And Toast kept coming up, and so I ended up meeting with um, Aman, who's one of the one of the founders for Coffee. And you know, long story short, um, finally came into Toast uh, in a role that was a little undefined to start, but ended up being BD, and then evolved into um, Corp Dev and, and some strategy stuff. So that's that's, that's what I do there today. So from a corp dev standpoint, what are the things that you're looking for? Uh, are you making a lot of acquisitions? Are you, you know, mapping the competitive set on a, on a fairly consistent basis and monitoring change? Like, what are you, what's your day-to-day look like? And what are the things, a uh, high level that, that you're interested in doing um, from a corp dev standpoint there at this point? Yeah. And, and I, I guess I'll take it in two fronts. One is, is sort of, you know, what I have seen and what I think are sort of best practices. And the other side is, is what we're doing at, at Toast because we're relatively new at Toast to being an acquirer. Um, we have one acquisition under our belt that was done in, you know, within the last, you know, call it 18 months or so, um, which is a payroll company in Chicago called Stratex, uh, done before I, I arrived here. And that really started a new vertical or pillar for us um, that is Toast Employee Cloud. Um, and so... Not that you know, there's a, there's a lot of experience on the team in terms of of corp dev and M and A, but we really didn't have um, sort of a deep dedicated function, mostly just because the business has been growing so quickly and is is relatively young, even though we're um, 
you know, our, our growth has been really high. Uh, and so, you know, from a best practice standpoint, I think um, what I have seen, uh, and, and a lot of it is just trial and error and, and unfortunately making mistakes like a lot of us probably, probably face in this in the space is, you know, how do you, when does it make sense to be involved kind of in a transaction, especially as a, as an acquirer? Um, and there's, there's three buckets that I look at and, you know, there's the, the strategy, the corp dev strategy, which, you know, to, to your comment is how do you track what's happening in the market and how are you aware of, you know, individual, you know, startups or, uh, companies at different phases and, you know, what's, what's the, portfolio, if you will, that you're looking at uh, tracking. Um, and then there's, um, you know, kind of the deal, you know, getting a deal done, you know, execution, deal execution, which you have a lot of, uh, you know, former bankers or consultants that are in that space, which is a lot of work, you know, legal, obviously a lot of paperwork terms and, and those sorts of things. But um, so strategy, deal execution. And then once you, you know, sign all the papers and the money's wired. It's the integration, which is often the hardest part. And, 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 you know, how do you integrate the companies? What does it look like? And, and those sorts of things. And, and so for toast, um, you know, we look at all three, but since we're relatively new in terms of acquisition, we're much more um, heavy and focused in terms of, our strategy and then our execution chops, which we're fortunate that we have a fantastic, you know, finance and legal and um, HR team that have, that have, they've all been through this in the past. Um, and then integration, you know, as I said, we're we're in the middle of that with our with our with our first transaction, but that takes time. And you know, and how do you kind of value? How do you compare what the deal looks like once it's actually under? you know, under the tent, so to speak, versus when you were looking at it and sort of forecasting in strategy side. And John, it's interesting, you know, that, um, that you guys sort of just started doing acquisitions um, as a more like growth stage venture back company. How do you, how, how much are they, uh, of the conversations that you have, how much are they driven by um, inbound from startups that think Toast would be a good acquirer, for example, or a good home? And how much are they driven by outbound relationships where, you know, you guys get together as a management team and you decide this is what we're doing and maybe we should look at acquisitions in this space and, and you have your marching orders. And then kind of related to that, you know, if somebody does think Toast should would be a good home someday, like how early should they get involved with you guys? Because, you know, startups, I think, are always a little worried that you're going to steal their ideas or they shouldn't disclose too much. Like, how do you how do you think about those things? Yeah, I mean, those are great questions. And I wish I had some sort of fairy dust that would make me uh, and make Toast kind of, you know, better and smarter than other people in this area. Um, the truth of the matter for toast is um, it has been and is such a great company, you know, from a, not just, you know, where we are in Boston, but, but really nationally that we have been able to attract un, unfairly uh, in some cases, which, which I'm, I'm happy to say like talent, both people that want to work at Toast, people that want to partner with Toast, and and people that would love to be you know acquired by Toast, and so um, for us, uh, and we have unbelievable top tier, fantastic, and supportive investors um, that have been able to help that as well. We make make introductions, and so kind of how we think about it is, uh, we need to be aware and 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 know personally as much as possible. Uh, 
certainly sort of the, the best startup players in the in the restaurant space, which is where we we play, but more kind of broadly in in tech um, and have relationships with them. And that is anything from you know um, a board introduction to you know our our CEO and our founders, um, you know, having a pretty deep Rolodex and relationships to just you know scheduling check ins quarterly or monthly with our partners, which also very fortunate that Toast built out very early a really deep partner ecosystem. So it, it's a platform, right? And so we have, you know, well over a hundred partners on there now. And actually, you know, where our, our original, our first acquisition came from started as a partnership and a relationship, and then it, it worked and it, and it became a full acquisition. And so from my perspective, you know, we have an unfair advantage in, the strength of the, of the business, the culture of the company and the relationships that we have out in the marketplace and they trust us. And so that's allowed us to have a lot more open conversations. And by having a platform, you can just see, you know, uh, who's performing well and who fits with, with, uh, our business and have those discussions earlier. So that's kind of how we think about it right now. We, we certainly score and think about and value, um, any partnerships or any segments that we're interested in uh, and then, you know, look at partners within those. But I don't think we're different than any other kind of large company that looks at, you know, build partner buy decisions on a lot of things because, you know, uh, for better or worse, there's just too many things for any of us to do out in the marketplace. And so that's where M&A comes into play. John, there's a, there's a ton of changes that have occurred over the last, you know, six to eight months in the world. And so, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, whether or not, you know, given the strength of Toast, have the companies around you um, gotten cheaper to potentially acquire? Or are you seeing, um, are you seeing competitors fall off just because of the difficulty uh, in the world? Or are you seeing that, you know, things are, you know, haven't changed all that much um, from an acquisition and, and competitive standpoint? Yeah, that's a great question, um, especially kind of in the midst of, of COVID. You know, uh, if this were April, I would I would have assumed that nearly all businesses would be valued less. Yeah, right. You know, um, just like the you know, no, no wizardry, just the, the, the macro market. But it's really been um, a situation of haves and have-nots. You know, those who have who have capital and access to capital and, and, um, and are able to invest in their businesses have been able to see their values go up in some cases, you know, um, especially, I mean, look, we, I don't think, I think in the beginning we had no trillion dollar companies and now what do we have three on any given day, right. Uh, um, in, in the world yeah. companies. Uh, and so a lot of that is, you know, for us, the, Look, consumer-facing businesses that focus on helping restaurants in terms, especially, you know, delivery, creating demand. You're seeing this with, with a lot of the third-party delivery players um, that were, having, were struggling even to file to go public are now, you know, getting out in the market quickly. Um, and so, the you know, the consumer or guest-facing side of the business has definitely they've been able to see increases both in their revenue um, and in their value. Uh, I don't want to say across the board. I think it's, again, it's, it's a, a little bit of a tale of two cities. It's, it's, you know, if you have capital invest in your business, you can really accelerate growth and many others just had to hunker down. Um, 
I think in other parts of the ecosystem, it really varies. You know, there tend to be one or two players that have really been able to consolidate, uh, you know, customers and value often just based around their product and their customer base. And, um, and then there are others that were just kind of lagging and, and had maybe not invested as much in their business that really have, have struggled to survive. And then you have on the flip side, you know, you have a kind of opportunistic investors that are saying, look, you know, there needs to be a company in X, Y, Z space that should be doing this. We're going to fund into that. And so you're seeing sort of hyper growth, uh, again, from a ver- relatively small base, but this is what interests us like, like any other potential acquirer too, that are going really quickly based on, you know, new technology that um, often that, that is, you know, specifically for COVID. I think the the big question here is like that every, again, you know, every business in the world is trying to figure out is what does it look like, you know, post vaccine or post vaccine plus six months or whatever that situation, you know, really it used to be like a multi-year plan. And now I kind of view it as like in COVID and after COVID, no one knows what exactly that looks like, but I don't think we're any different than a lot of the, of the businesses that are just like, Whatever the, the next phase of this looks like, you need to be prepared for it. Yeah, John, that sort of maps a lot of what we saw with, um, you know, with some of our portfolio companies. I mean, there were a few that have done surprisingly well in the environment. You could expect, you know, telehealth and, and some e-com and then, you know, some that are obviously struggling. Um, but there were a lot that just like kind of lost a year's worth of, of growth, right? Like you're, you know, you're, you're 20 million in revenue, you're supposed to go to 35 million and you decide, look, you're just going to do 20 million again or, or, or thereabout. Um, and so, yeah, we've, we've seen similar things. People sort of focused on, um, you know, Hey, we, we have a plan post COVID. We don't know when to start executing that plan. So, um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, uh, talk about your first acquisition because my, my first company back up we, we were the first acquisition of the company that acquired us. And, um, you know, some of my investors and, and the investment banker that we talked to at one point kind of warned us like, ooh, you you might not want to be somebody's first acquisition because they're figuring it out. There's some bumps in the road. Um, and so I'm curious, like, what are, you know, were there were there lessons you learned about uh, sort of the integration process and uh, and all that from from doing your first acquisition as as part of Toast? So and this is where it's interesting because I joined after we have done our first acquisition. So, so I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the post integration phase. Um, and so, you know, I, other than talking to the the founding team here um, and our, and our leaders, you know, I know the thesis, I've seen the investment thesis and things like that. Um, and they're always different, right? Like you guys have been a part of both sides too. And, and it, it never maps exactly to what you expect is going to happen. But um, you know, we had an investment thesis that re- required additional investment to, you know, Tosa's high scale company. Um, and, you know, we're still executing against that two year plan. Uh, and, you know, some things have gone better than expected. Some things have been more of a challenge. Um, but I think we have learned a lot, um, and most important, what we've learned is we haven't changed our culture and our values in terms of serving the customer first, right? And so 
if we found things that we want to address or issues we need to fix or, you know, additional support we need to offer, we've just done it, even if it didn't hang exactly with the original investment thesis, because, you know, when a customer buys into Toast, there's things that they expect and we just need to deliver against it. So I think as an organization, we're learning that. But, you know, just like just like you guys said, like, it's what you learn. In some ways, you don't want to be the first acquisition for a business to the advice you receive. In other ways, it's almost better because it's greenfield and you can have a lot more, um, a lot more input into how that works. And so, I think now what we learned is just structural and process things, like you know, building out a corporate development function and team, and 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 what does an integration team look like um, ongoing? You know, um, uh, what inputs did we put into our modeling in the beginning that we know from our own organization, not necessarily from, you know, the, the, the targets that we need to invest more in or less in. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely are tweaking our models and I don't just, I don't just mean financial model of like an acquisition model and how we think about it. But what we've also learned is, um, you know, we can really scale up other, we can be a multi-product company through acquisition. You know, that's one of the things that we learned that is important to learn and a muscle that had to be uh, built here. And, um, and we were correct in our view of like what segments mattered and what was probably pretty hard or pretty, you know, took, had a long window to build versus buying something and integrating it. And, and we continue, I mean, we, we revisit this all the time. You know, we, we have stood up, um, a pillar, as we call it, or a vertical that's specific, uh, specifically built around the acquired company, and it's and really, you know, it's it's at the table with our other core pillars like POS, and um, and that's been really good for us to learn how to do. Uh, it's it's more just uh, you know we had an, another office, we have another office in Chicago, and you know what do things like that look like that are just um, you know they seem tactical, but um, you know, you, you have lived through it. It sounds like they're not, you know, they're personal. You have to move people over to, you know, your existing benefits plans and, you know, all these sorts of things that, uh, often, you know, when, when I was a consultant or we have a banker, you know, that's running a model, you don't, you just put a, you know, a percentage allocation in there. You don't have to deal with it all. So that's really the biggest, one of the biggest skills I think we've built up is like, how does an integration look, work, function, and then how do you tweak it over time? And then apply it back to your, again, you know, strategy, execution, um, integration, back to the beginning of the strategy model. So you just, they get better over time. John, you're in a really awesome role. You know, what's some advice that you would give some of our listeners who are interested in a career in, in corp dev? Uh, and, and, you know, what are the skills that you think are most valuable for the role that you're currently in now? If, if someone's, you know, thinking about acquiring skills and trying to move into a corporate development role. You know, it's, it's funny. I get asked this a, a lot, like, um, you know, corp dev, business development, product management, or all these like weird roles where it's not just one model uh, often, you know, like, uh, like in, uh, and I've been in a lot of different roles in my career. I've been very fortunate. Um, but, uh, the biggest thing that I tell people is just, you know, curiosity, be curious. And, you know, when I was, when I ran product, I didn't, I didn't know how that worked, right? Like, I, you know, we have engineering people that come from pro- that become product managers, et cetera. 
For corporate development, it's similar. I mean, yes, a lot of us tend to have banking or consulting or you know finance um, backgrounds, but there's also a lot of product people, um, both you know straight product and even development now that are coming into corp dev because they've often been involved in um, diligence. Is, is is how it started for me, and, uh, and just that curiosity and willingness to be a part of you know, diligence groups, I have found to be the most valuable along with just the team is most important, right? Like, obviously you have to be looking at the segment and it has to be a fit for the business and all the other numbers have to line up. That's obvious, but the team is what makes or breaks the deal. At least for me, you know, my bias every time. And so, you know, having been curious and come from different roles, it just allows you it has allowed me to see, okay, what does it look like when, you know, you're on a diligence call, like or a diligence meeting. I think one of the first ones um, I'm trying. So uh, we were a consult when I was a consulting group, we bought another small consulting shop and that was a little bit different than most other deals, but it was all about the people. That's like the first deal I ever did. You know, you learn that um, the people mattered because they were generating money. And then when I did, um, uh, a startup that we ended up selling to IAC a long time ago. Um, it was um, our team was the, was the strongest, and I learned how they kind of valued it and what diligence looked like. And then when I went to a big company, a hotel company, we looked at a casino and another big brand. But just being a part of those different diligence sessions, it was easy to get comfortable. Maybe because I have a finance degree, I don't know why, but like with the numbers, but more of the team and the structure and the product and how that all fit. And I've seen a lot of corp dev people that have come, at least that I know um, have come through that side where they, you know, it's kind of like baseball. Like most of the deals you look at or you try to do, you don't end up consummating on either side. And so just that repetition and curiosity of willing to be a part of it again. And whether it's a, you know, an engineering lead looking at code, you know, for, for diligence, or it's um, a finance team looking at, you know, is there, is there net revenue or their retention, you know, really accurate that those skills, uh, I don't know any corp dev leader that came through like a singular path. And I also don't think all of them have all the skills that are necessary to go from strategy to integration, but most of them have been part of all of them have been part of several deals in different aspects. And so that's what I tell people is just, you know, try to pitch in and, and, and be a part of, de- of a deal to learn how it looks, especially the ones that don't work. You're kind of learning why they didn't work and why it fell apart at the 11th hour. Like, that's, that's what I would tell people. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great advice. Um, my experience, having been through it on both sides, is it's, um, I, actually, I actually think a lot of the reason people are drawn to it, I love the ebb and flow of work like this where sometimes it's a little slower, sometimes you're, you know, you're buried in, you know, financial data or metrics or whatever. And then other times it picks up and you're, you know, you're, you, you have late nights and early mornings on legal calls and, uh, you know, just figuring things out and negotiations. And it's, um, it's, it's a really good mix. Uh, you know, if you like different, different types of things in a job, I think, um, well, John, thanks for being on today. Uh, I get a lot of, a lot of good insights. Um, it's definitely been a little bit different than some of the other, uh, Corp Dev podcasts we've had. So we definitely appreciate that. Uh, everybody listening, thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, if you have questions you'd like us to ask or guests 
or topics we should have on the podcast, you can send those to podcast at pjc.vc. And we hope you'll check out the rest of season two. Thanks for listening to the Uncovered Podcast. To learn more about PJC and the Uncovered Podcast, visit us at www.pjc.vc or email us at podcast at pjc.vc.